This is a, a really exciting night and I, I can sense the um, anticipation in the air and I'm sure you can too. My name's Chris, Bur Chris Burgess. I've been the acting rector here for nine months and tonight I very gladly hand over to Prash and Emily for uh, what we're sure is going to be a wonderful um, season of ministry here at St Stephen's. Um, we want to praise our great God. He's a great God. He stands beside us in such a wonderful way. Um, and we also want to encourage Prash and Emily and uh, ourselves as a congregation. And so to enable us to do that, we have a great first hymn. So I'm going to invite you to stand where you are and we're going to sing King of Kings.
Well, it's just terrific to see so many people here tonight, and I know there's lots of St Stephen's people, and uh, a lot of people have come from other parts of Sydney, uh, and uh, we just welcome you uh, very, very warmly um, to be here and to share this night. It's, it's hard to let go of somebody, isn't it? You Croydon people. <laughs> I've been through that, I know what it's like. But uh, thank, I think the focus and seems to take a big thank you. Um, and uh, both the destinies of these churches, uh, God has very much under control. Just, just so we know what's happening tonight, we, we're sharing the, the formal part of the service uh, right now and things will just move. So as, for those who are involved, they'll just come up as, as uh, your particular um, uh, element uh, is, is coming. And then when we finish the, the, the more formal time of service, uh, we're going to stay here for a more informal welcome. Now, it's going to be very relaxed. It won't be too long. The speeches won't be too long, those who are doing the speeches. Um, at that point, as soon as that final hymn's finished and uh, Prash's um, uh, concluded that point, our Fred Chilton will come up and he will uh, lead us in that informal time. And then when that's finished, we're then going to move just next door. If you're not, aware of, not really aware of how this place works, there's a hall right next door. Just follow the crowd and uh, please stay and join for a cup of uh, coffee or, and something to eat then. So that's the process for tonight. So a big welcome to everybody. You have a service order. Let's follow the next section together. Christian friends, we've gathered together to celebrate God's goodness to this parish in the appointment of the Reverend Prash Columbagay as rector. He's been called by God to exercise a position of great spiritual responsibility as the pastor of this congregation. And we shall be praying for him and praying for the congregation in this new stage of God's work here at Willoughby. As we celebrate the commencements of this new ministry in the parish, let us first come before our great Heavenly Father in prayer using the words that our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And as our Bible readers come up, Heavenly Father, as we listen to your word, give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may know you better, love you more, and please you in all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first Bible reading is from Psalm 119 which can be found on page 610 if you'd like to follow along. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I will not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Uh, the second reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loves this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him, bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. <clears throat> I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. <clears throat> At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. 
The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Chris Edwards, and it's a great delight to be with you tonight. Um, It's a joy when you get to be at the beginning of a ministry like this, and I do know, because I bumped into Alan and Ruth Lucabio as I came in, that it's not a joy for everyone. At least three times he said, you've taken my assistant, you've taken my right arm, my left arm, my right leg, my left leg. Uh, So I just want to acknowledge uh, with gratitude uh, for the way that you've prepared uh, Prash for the ministry here and you so willingly released him and uh, and that you're here tonight to celebrate. I apologise to Stephen Buckley uh, for that reading with all those tricky names, but given that your new rector's name is Prashanth Kolombagi, is that right? Yeah, no. Yeah, get used to it, Stephen. Uh, We're going to look at that passage, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 together. It's on page 1199 in the Bibles uh, that were handed out. Uh, If you've got it open uh, there, that would be good. If you've got it on a device, that's okay, so long as you're looking at the Bible on the device. Anybody caught using Facebook or emails will be, well, God knows, okay? (laughs) Let me pray and then we'll turn to this passage. Father, I do ask that tonight as I speak, you would use me to open up your word and that it would be your spirit that would speak into our hearts. It would be your spirit that would convict us of the things that we need to repent of and change. And it would be your sovereign hand that guides us forward in obedience and in faith. Amen. 2 Timothy is a favourite book of mine. Um, Belinda and I have two children. We named our son Timothy largely because of this book, largely because of this letter, largely because of this chapter. So it has a, I have a great affection for it. And uh, different people come to it in different ways. Bishop Handley Mole, uh, a great one of the past, said that he could never read this book without something like mist gathering in his eyes. He was very British. He couldn't actually admit to having tears. John Stott, another Brit, said that it's a moving document, one of the most moving in the New Testament. John Piper says that this last chapter especially contains some of the most beautiful and some of the saddest words that are in the Bible. And he goes on to say why they're there. They have a profound purpose. And the sadness and the beauty of them achieve that purpose. They are to establish us in our mission and in our ministry. The overall impact uh, that Paul wants these words to have is to inform us that ministry, Christian ministry, faithful ministry, is hard. And yet despite the difficulties, there is a great promise in this chapter that you've got to seize hold of. Whether you're new to the faith or you're mature in it, whether you're close to Jesus or you're just getting to know him, here is a verse you want to grab hold of. It's verse 17. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. What an incredible encouragement. What a great verse to have 
at the beginning of your new ministry. Paul wrote this while he was a prisoner in Rome. Uh, Paul Barnett says that this is Paul's, at least, his second imprisonment in Rome. And unlike the first imprisonment, where he got to enjoy uh, rented accommodation in a house and a relatively free movement, this time it's most likely that he's in a, a horrible underground cave with a ceiling that has a hole in it for air and for light and that's it. And he writes from that place in chains. And he writes to Timothy and he gives him an incredible responsibility. It's to take up leadership and to prepare others and to pass on to them the baton of the gospel, the baton of the good news of Jesus Christ. That salvation is found only in Jesus. Timothy is a significant Christian leader in a significant ancient city in Ephesus when he received this. And, and, and Paul's great preoccupation in writing this letter to Timothy and the, the earlier one is just that, the gospel, the message of Jesus, that it will be clear and that Timothy will be faithful with it and clear with it because of all the controversial things that can come up in the life of the church. Here is one of the most controversial Salvation is found in no one else, only in Jesus. Last week, Simon Manchester spoke at the CMS Summer School uh, at Katoomba. Uh, he spoke on 1 Timothy, which has got a lot of contentious sections. Uh, without going into those, he pointed out that some of the most contentious words that are in Paul's correspondence are the words that here is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's contentious because it's challenged and disbelieved. And, and there are so many who say, there's other ways that I could be right with God. Surely my good things that I do would earn me some kind of credit, some kind of points. Or, or my faith, surely that's worth something. Surely my efforts, my faith, my belief, my goodness, my honesty, my integrity, something. And the Bible is very clear. It's all down to Jesus. It, it's not what we do, it's what Christ has done. And in this last chapter, with the last words that we have recorded from the Apostle Paul, we have this great charge to Timothy. Look at the first verse. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. And church today urgently needs to hear the word all around us. We see Christians around the word, world and churches around the world relaxing their grip on the word, fumbling with it, in danger of dropping it altogether. We need to guard the good deposit. We need to proclaim the beautiful gospel of salvation. That's what we need to do. We need to know it. We need to hear it. We need to be secure in it. We need to be ready and prepared to suffer for it. We've been warned that if we live by it, we will suffer for it. If we belong to Jesus, then the way he was treated, we should not expect to be treated any differently. And should be thankful when we're not. We need to be prepared in season and out of season, as Paul goes on, he says, to correct, rebuke and encourage because Verse 4, look what it says. 
People will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And they will. And they do. They have. And we all need to remember that despite the difficulties that this brings, despite the hardships, verse 17, Jesus will stand with us. Prash, we're thrilled. We are really thrilled to have that you've decided to accept the Archbishop's invitation to come here as the rector of St Stephen. So I want to point out three, three things to you from this fourth chapter that I hope will help you and encourage you. The first thing is this. You need to remember why you have to preach God's word. Paul gives a very strong charge at the beginning of this chapter in, in verse 1. He could have done it in his own name, but he doesn't. He could have done it based on his own authority, but he doesn't. He makes the charge, have a look, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. I think one of the strongest incentives in being a faithful minister of the gospel is to have a personal commission from God. Uh, when you were ordained, Prash, can I remind you of what you were asked and what you said? We will a little later in the service as well. Do you think in your heart that you are truly called according to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ to this ministry? And you said, I do. That's an awesome response. To feel that the Lord of the universe has included you, commissioned you to a particular ministry, that's incredibly powerful got to be one of the strongest incentives that exists to do ministry faithfully, that he's commissioned you. And yet that's exactly what disciples of Jesus are called to. That's why it's called the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, where he says to all his disciples, go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what I've commanded. And remember what he says? Surely I'm with you always. Look at verse 17 again. The Lord stood by me. He was with me. Paul knows the truth of that promise and he has this incentive that in the presence of God he will faithfully continue in his ministry even though he's being poured out like a drink offering, like a a libation. At the the end of the sacrifice, the last thing that happened uh, was that Some wine was poured out, basically um, causing everything to sizzle that had been burned up. It's a little bit like the coffee at the end of a dinner. It isn't the main meal. It isn't the main thing. You don't say, I had coffee, therefore I had a great meal with someone. Well, the sacrifice, it required a a, a lamb or, or, or another animal, and that was burned up. But right at the end, they would pour a drink on it. Paul says, that's me. I'm not the main event. I'm not the main course but I'm part of what this is about. And he's come to the end of his ministry and his incentive for being faithful all the way through it, in the prison cell and not in the prison cell, was because Jesus had called him to it, that God is with him. So he says to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. I call God as my witness. I call Jesus who will be watching you, that whenever you preach the word, God will be with you. Christ will be attending every time you speak. He'll be with you. 
You'll never do anything in your life, Timothy, without God watching and without Jesus being with you, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer. He will always be there. He will always be near. He will always be sustaining. He'll always be working. You will never do this ministry on your own, Timothy. Jesus is with you. What a great promise we have, isn't it? You've been without a rector for a little while, not long compared to some of the other parishes, and, <laughs> and it can feel lonely, can't it? I want to, at this point, thank Chris Burgess and Kathy for giving up so much to come and lead, support, encourage, and pastor. So, yeah, thank you. You can't have him any longer because he's got to go back to work for the Bishop of North Sydney. <laughs> he has been, anyway. But the emphasis of the first verse actually isn't on the presence of Jesus or on the presence of God. Have a look at that first verse. The emphasis falls on the fact that he is the one who's coming and he will come to judge the living and the dead. The charge and the emphasis in this is that Jesus, the Lord of all, is going to return and he is the one who expects us to be faithful. At the end of his ministry, at the end of his life on earth, the Apostle Paul is still looking forward to Jesus' coming. He lives each moment in the light of that coming. He describes Christians in verse 8 as those who long for the coming. How would you describe St Stephen's of Willoughby? A fellowship of people who believe in the Lord Jesus and long for him to come back? That's a great description of those who trust in Jesus. And Paul is sure Christ will appear. He will judge the living and the dead. These three truths, his appearance, his judgment, and his kingdom, that is what provides the motive and the incentive for Timothy to do a faithful ministry of preaching the word. It's in light of the fact that Jesus is coming as the judge, as the king of kings, and as the Lord of lords. And as Paul tells the Romans, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So therefore, preach the word. Prash, preach the word. Jesus will be with you. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming as the judge. So preach the word. The second thing you need to remember is that Christian ministry is relationally very hard. Christian ministry on a big staff team or a small team with one congregation or with seven congregations, relationally, it's tough. I think Paul wants Timothy to see this because have a look at what's in this chapter. Go to verse 10. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and he's gone to Thessalonica. Evidently, Demas had been a faithful partner. He's mentioned in Colossians as being with uh, Luke and with Paul. But now he's gone. He's, he's shot through. Look in the middle of that same verse. Crescens, if that's how you say his name, he's gone to Galatia, which is Turkey. Titus has gone to Dalmatia, which is Croatia. Luke alone is with me. Once there was this great team. And right now, there's just Paul and Luke. He feels very alone. Look at verses 14 and 15. Alexander, the metal worker, he did a great deal of harm because he opposed our message. So he's not only lonely, he's been attacked. 
He's been mocked and ridiculed and, and slandered. Verse 16, which is probably the saddest sentence in this letter. At my first defence, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. I, I imagine what it is is when Paul went on trial, nobody showed up. Nobody there as a character witness. Nobody there to defend him. He's left on his, on his own. Verse 20, Erastus, he remained in Corinth. I left uh, Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus, and sometimes that happens. Sickness can interrupt partnerships in ministry. Sometimes it's a seasonal change. Uh, my daughter and her husband do ministry in Sweden. The sun goes down at 2.30 in the afternoon, doesn't come up until about a quarter to 10 in the morning. It's a long night. It's hard work. And friends get depressed by that. And friends in ministry can let you down, like Demas. Demas. He fell in love with the world and the things of this world. I don't know if he ever repented. We've got no record of Demas coming back. But let's consider him just for a moment. We'll pick on him. I think Paul wants to warn Timothy about Demas. And I reckon that's good because I figure there's probably nobody here named Demas, right? <laughs> so no one can say, you're picking on me. We'll pick him. Um, Demas loved this world. Uh, there's a love for the world that is just totally incompatible with Christian ministry. If your heart's in love with the world, you'll love what unbelievers love and you won't love the things of God. And either, if you're in a ministry and you love the world, you'll either change your ministry to suit the world and its ways or you'll have to leave the world and its ways. What, what Demas did was he liked the ways of the world and so he left the ministry. He got out of it and went the way of the world. You know, more people leave Christ, more people leave the church, more people leave ministry, more people leave the hope of heaven than anything else because they love the world. What was it in Thessalonica that Demas liked? Was there a woman there? I don't know. Was, was it where he came from? Maybe it was his home and he just wanted to go home. Sick of travelling. I don't know. Maybe it was a business offer, you know. Demas, you're really gifted. If you use these gifts in this business, you make a fortune, mate. I have a friend who has um, made that offer exactly. He was a great preacher, a great strategist in the church. He was a leader in the church I worked in. And someone came and said to him, you are such a good communicator. You're so good at explaining strategy and, and tactics and business. Come and work with us. He left the church and he worked with the trade unions. He worked in the mining industry. He made a shed load of money and he has abandoned his faith. He walked away from his marriage and his family. He has shipwrecked a lot because he loved the things of this world. I've seen it happen. It can happen to any of us if we love the things of this world. It makes relationships hard, though. This one with Demas, he's just dumped Paul and he's gone off. He loved the things of this world more than he loved the message that Paul had, the, the apostle Paul, had worked with him on, had taught him. Perhaps get ready for it. There will be people who will love this world more than the message, more than the word. So you've got to be ready. How are you going to respond? 
Look at verse 16. May it not be held against them. I'm going to tell you, that's an amazing response. That's not what I expected. It's not what I would say. I would say, you rat bag, forget it. You're out of here. You want a job? Not with me, buddy. You're out. It's not what Paul says. Failing friends, imperfect friends, sinful friends, close friends, they can all let you down. I hope you're big enough for that. It will happen. But remember what Jesus said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who of the disciples, see how well you know the Bible story? They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. The crowd is coming towards Jesus. Who was the one that betrayed him? Straight away you go, Judas. But guess how many were left standing with Jesus? None of his friends, not one. Every single one dumped him and left. And what did Jesus do with them? He built the church through them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Failing friends can still be your friends. You've got to be willing to say, I won't hold that against them. You've got to be patient as you correct. You've got to be loving as you teach. You've got to be gentle as you instruct. I just want to urge you, don't be unforgiving when people let you down because they will. And to all of you at St Stephen's, don't be unforgiving when Prash lets you down. Uh, this year is my 30th in ministry. And I can look back, and one of my greatest sorrows is the number of people I was supposed to care for who will be able to say, Chris did not show up. He wasn't at the hospital. He didn't come to my son's wedding. He wasn't there when our family went through the most profound crisis. He never called when my dad died. When my son was riddled with cancer, he didn't even return my call. As I prepared this, I, I tried to do a calculation. I reckon I could name over 100 people who could say something like that. They could say, Edwards, just forget him. And in time, some might even say, Prash, just forget him. But please listen to what Jesus said. Father, forgive him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. May it not be held against him. He's not the Messiah. Prash is your pastor. He will make mistakes. Forgive him. Ministry is relationally very hard. Third and final thing, it's what you need to remember the first point I made actually. <laughs> despite the difficulties of ministry, despite the hardships that you'll face, despite all the troubles that come because of relationships, I want you to remember verse 17. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He's the one who is the saviour. He is the one who is the Messiah, and he's the one who will be with you, Prash. He is the one who will be with you, brothers and sisters, in the ministry that you do in this place, in this community, in this suburb, in this part of Sydney. It is the Lord Jesus who is with you. 
Get to know his word. For every servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's in chapter 3. Get to know his word because it's all inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and and for training in righteousness. That's in chapter 3. Get to know his word because by the scriptures they will make you wise for salvation. That's in chapter 3. And so in chapter 4, as Paul wraps up this letter, he says, Jesus will be with you. I charge you to preach that word. And then he concludes by saying, the Lord will rescue you from every evil attack and he'll bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. So to him be glory forever and forever. Amen. Let's stand and sing Rock of Ages. Clap for me.
invite the wardens and, uh, to come forward and uh, Nathan Walter. So we, we the wardens present to you the Reverend Prash Palumbagay to be admitted to the office of rector and the care of God's people in this parish. Prash, the people of this parish have gathered to recognise and greet you as their rector. And I bring you greetings from Glenn, the Archbishop of Sydney. Uh, he and Di really wanted to be here tonight, but they're on a well-earned holiday. Not in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, this document bearing his seal records your licence and your authority to perform the office of rector in this parish. Prash, do you before God and in the presence of this congregation commit yourself to this new trust and responsibility? With God's help, I do. Be a faithful minister of God's holy word and sacraments and a faithful pastor under the great shepherd of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ. My brother Prashat, your ordination, and there it is again, you are exhorted in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to remember the dignity of the high office and charge to which you are called. That is to say, to be a messenger, a watchman and steward of our Lord to teach and to forewarn, to feed and provide for the Lord's family, to seek for Christ's sheep who are scattered abroad and for his children who are surrounded by temptations in this world, that they may be saved through Christ forever. Have always therefore printed in your mind how great a treasure is committed to your care. The church is Christ's flock for whom he shed his blood. This church and the congregations whom you must serve here is bride and his body. So pray to God the Father through our Saviour Jesus Christ for the assistance of the Holy Spirit so that as you daily read and study the scriptures you may grow in your ministry. By God's grace, may you be a godly pattern for people to follow as you seek to conform your life and the life of this congregation to the teachings of Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, giver of all that's good, you've appointed various orders of ministry in your church. Bless your servant Prash, now called to serve you in this parish. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word and clothe him with Christ-likeness of character that he may faithfully serve you to the glory of your name and to the benefit of your people. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Prash, we thank God that he has sent you to teach us and encourage us and admonish us from his holy word. Take this Bible, remembering that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just a quick explanation. Unless the bishop signals me very quickly, I will say the word mediating, uh, meditating, sorry, rather than mediating at the end of the first line. Mm. 
Prash, will you be faithful in reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God? Will you be faithful in proclaiming and teaching it? And will you encourage others to grow also in their knowledge and understanding of God's Word, that they too may live in accordance with its truth? I will, the Lord being my helper. Prash, we thank God that you have come to us as pastors of God's people, keen to see the extension of God's kingdom in St. Stephen's Anglican Church. By God's grace, may you make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them the commandments of Jesus. Prash, will you be faithful in making disciples of all peoples? And will you be faithful in ministering baptism and the Lord's Supper in accordance with God's word and the discipline of this church? I will, the Lord being my helper. Prash, we thank God that you have come to us as a man of prayer. May you follow the apostles' pattern by praying for us and leading us in prayer so that we may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him in every good work. Prash, will you intercede for the people committed to your care? And will you pray that God would lead both you and them into a richer and deeper knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? I will, the Lord being my helper. Perhaps you've been appointed and licensed to exercise your ministry as rector of this parish with all the privileges and responsibilities of your office. May the Lord guard your going out and your coming in. Uh, wardens and parishioners of St. Stephen's Willoughby, remember the Apostle Paul's exhortation. We ask you to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Emily, would you like to come up now and stand with uh, Prash? Brothers and sisters, I am delighted to present to you Prash Kolombagi. It's as good as it's going to get, I know. <laughs> your new rector and his wife, Emily. on behalf of the parishioners, we congratulate you on being made the rector of the parish of St. Stephen's Willoughby. We are delighted that you and Emily and Harriet and Sampson have made your home with us. Uh, we commit to deepen our friendship and support to you as we join together in the work to which God has called us in this parish and as we share in the wider ministry of Christ throughout the world. Thanks, Michelle. There's a part coming for everyone here, so you ready? To you, my brother in Christ, I present the people committed to your care. We welcome you in the name of the Lord as our pastor and brother in Christ. We shall pray for you as we ask you to pray for us. May God enable us to fulfil the ministries to which he has called us. I now ask you, therefore, to join us in prayer to the Almighty God that he will enable our brother to serve him faithfully in word and deed, so that he will 
he will be a true pattern of Christian living. Almighty God, and giver, giver of all good, good gifts, we, we pray that you would grant to your servant, now called to this parish, the strength of your spirit. Fill him with truth, compassion and humility, so that he may faithfully serve you to the glory of your name and the benefit of your church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the world and those that govern us. We praise and thank you, Lord, for the world you created for mankind and all the creatures of the land and water. Grant us the wisdom to care for the earth, the rivers and the ocean. Help us to act now for the good of future generations and all your creatures. Dear Lord, today we are distressed at the devastation caused by the prolonged cat catastrophic bushfires, the human deaths, including volunteer firefighters, the loss of property and possessions, and the loss of over a billion native animals. We beseech you, Lord, to bring abundant rain in order to bring hope to all, to allow the land to recover, and with it, your people and all your creatures. Loving Heavenly Father, we pray for our wider world, which is in continual turmoil. We ask that you give us wisdom as we interact with other nations, ethnicities, religions, and ideologies. Let us not fear those who are different from us, but help us to understand them. Let us not harbour hatred towards anyone, but help us to stand up to evil when we encounter it. Dear Lord, we bring before you all those who are in leadership positions in our government, both locally and nationally. May they be endowed with wisdom, strength of mind, and a sense of justice to administer their duties in a manner that is right and pleasing in your sight. Grant this, Father, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. We continue in prayer for this, uh, the church and this parish. Loving Father, tonight's a night when we're focusing on our parish, but it's also a time to remember that this parish is part of something much bigger, part of your church throughout the world. So with Christians everywhere, we thank you that you've shown us your wonderful grace, that you've chosen us as your people and made us a holy nation, that together we are recipients of your mercy. We thank you for our leaders, for Glenn, our Archbishop, Chris, our area bishop, Prash, our new rector, and the other rectors in the local, leading in the local levels. May they be daily reminded of your awesome holiness and power and continue to stand in awe of your name. Give them strength to continue to walk uprightly, to resist sin, and enable them to lead with humility, love, patience, and gentleness. Because you've given us as a church a job to do. Give us courage 
to go into our communities with your message of love and hope, to proclaim your message in all sorts of ways and in all sorts of places, and to stay true to our calling as your people, rather than be seduced by the culture around us. The people might turn and believe. Please strengthen us and enable us to do your will. And particularly for St Stephen's tonight, we pray that as everyone gets settled, that we would be patient and kind with each other, as you've been patient and kind with us. Give us willing spirits to get things done that need to be done, not to be proud or self-seeking. As you keep no record of our wrongs, we pray that as a church we won't either, but that we will always rejoice in the truth. Mould us into a community that always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres people together for the long haul as your love perseveres through good and bad times. Strengthen and enable us all, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in prayer for the work of the gospel. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to live a perfect life and die a criminal's death, so that by trusting in him, we might be rescued from our sinfulness and reconciled with you. Thank you for entrusting to us the words of eternal life that bring hope and peace to those around us. Thank you that so many people heard the story of Jesus coming to earth at recent Christmas services. We pray that those who heard the good news would turn to you in repentance and faith. We pray tonight for our mission partners working in Australia and around the world to share the gospel with those who have not yet heard it. For our partners with Bush Church Aid Society working in remote and regional Australia. For Bible translation work in Northern Australia and beyond. For Bible teaching and pastoral care work in South Africa. For teaching in Southeast Asia. And for cross-cultural ministry in Southwest Sydney. Father, we thank you for the willingness of so many people to leave their homes to tell the good news of the gospel. Help us to be faithful in supporting their work. We thank you too for the opportunities you give to us to share the good news of new life in Jesus with the people in our own communities. Help us as we renew our focus on being effective in reaching out to them in word and in action. Help us as a church family to care and love for one another and those in need in such a way that all people will see what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We pray too for our brothers and sisters at St. James Croydon, and we thank you for the partnership that we share in gospel ministry. We pray for them as we pray for ourselves, that you will keep us dependent on you for all things, that we will be faithful, prayerful followers of Jesus. Father, we pray that the gospel of Christ Jesus our Lord would continue to be proclaimed faithfully boldly and graciously at St. Stephen's under precious leadership, and that many people will come to know and love Jesus as their saviour. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Would you join me as I lead us in prayer? Kind Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your gifts to us. Your word reminds us that all good things come from you. 
Every blessing we receive, both material and spiritual, is a reminder of your generous and kind character. We thank you for the power of the gospel to save sinners, to draw in the alienated, and to comfort the grieving. We thank you for the gift of your church, the power of the gospel to bring people from every tribe and tongue and nation together. And we thank you for the love of the gospel, that you would give us your only son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your gracious approach at the heart of the gospel, which calls the unworthy to dine at your table, enjoy your presence, and rest in your promises. We give thanks for all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And would you say the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with me? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together. Would you join us? Oh! 
sit down, except for Prash and Emily. Sorry, you've got to stand up and come on up. We should have some comfortable chairs, but we don't. So you're young, you can stand. Welcome. Now, you realise in coming to this parish um, and being part of an Anglican church, we are a hierarchical church. So not only do you have, as one of your parishioners, the Archbishop and his wife, <laughs> you knew that, um, but also our local member, who started out as a humble local member, is now our Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, who is a member of the um, Armenian Orthodox Church, which is just down in Chatswood. And uh, she always makes a point of coming to these sort of things, but unfortunately she couldn't. This is what happens when you pick, you, you're so keen to start that we start in January, you know, 14th of January when people are still supposed to be away. Now let me read firstly, because the Premier probably takes priority, um, from a letter that the Honourable Gladys Berejiklian MP, member for Willoughby and New South Wales Premier has sent to us. I wish to extend my warmest welcome to the Reverend Prash Colombagay as the rector of the parish of St Stephen's Anglican Church, Willoughby. I do apologise that I'm unable to be with you on this important occasion due to a long-standing prior commitment. I am sure that Reverend Colombagay will find his new role rewarding and would like to take this opportunity to wish him and his family every success for the future. Yours faithfully, signed Gladys. Um, going through the order of um, priority, the next thing is you'll be welcomed into, we used to call it Minister's Fraternal, it's called something else now, but the local clergy would like to greet you and we're delighted to have some members with us. Um, thank you for coming, those who are not speaking, and Nathan Walter, who's down the road at Narrenburn Camaray, is going to speak on behalf of the local clergy. Uh, well, uh, I only met these guys tonight. I've just met Emily now. Um, <laughs> but it is really lovely to welcome you into this local area. And I'm so glad that I could be here tonight for this commencement of ministry service. Uh, I don't speak as the mission area leader, but simply as a brother in local ministry, uh, not too far from here, who's also trying to make my way uh, as a first-time rector, so I'm sure over time we'll have stories to swap. Um, uh, I was at CMS Summer School last week as well, and uh, one of the other things we were reminded of is that through the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, there are five trustworthy sayings, and four of them have to do with salvation. The one that doesn't is from 1 Timothy 3, where Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. And so we were reminded just how seriously God regards leadership in the church. And so, uh, Prash, I want to say that what you've done in coming to take on this responsibility of overseeing gospel ministry at St Stephen's is a wonderful thing, it's a noble task, and uh, God's people are grateful for it. And uh, as we've done tonight, there'll be many, many people praying that this will be a blessing, uh, not just to the saints at St Stephen's, but also to this local area, and as well to you and your family. Um, so uh, I do want to say this is just splendid in, in every direction. Uh, you've been, if you're a member of St Stephen's, you've been exhorted to this already tonight, but let me as well gently say, do everything in your power uh, lovingly to support Prash and his family. 
uh, in every way possible. Uh, I'm sure you will do that, but it can be hard and lonely work sometimes to try and lead the ministry of a church, and uh, there can be many discouragements, but Prash will be able to serve you best as you faithfully pray for him and as you lovingly encourage him. Uh, But friend, as uh, the Apostle Paul did, as we too look to the return of the Lord Jesus, may God be with you and work through you for the building of his church and to the praise of his glory and grace. So welcome. Following the hierarchical, you've had a say already. Well, you'll get another say at the end. Um, Alan Saxby, one of our wardens, on behalf of the wardens and parish council, say a few words, informally. Thank you, Fred. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. Uh, it seems to me that um, sometimes we can look backwards um, with appreciation and sometimes we can, look, we can look forward with great excitement. I think here at St. Stephen's, uh, we're incredibly fortunate we were able to do both this year. Um, looking back over the year that was 2019, Graham Wintel announced his retirement. Um, this came as a shock to many of our congregation. Uh, and on Sunday, the 31st of March, we held a farewell celebration for Graham and Katrina for their 13 years of ministry with us. It was a wonderful occasion, and I'm sure fondly remembered by anybody who was there. Um, directly after that, our nominators kicked into high gear, and they spent countless hours assessing resumes and interviewing candidates. It was a daunting task, and although there were some setbacks, the result was never in doubt, and as expected, they came through with the winner. Um, it, it would be remiss of me not to uh, tonight take this opportunity to thank Chris and uh, Kathy for their time with us, um, your inspiration to us, your leadership, uh, the vision that you've done for us. <laughs> has been absolutely fantastic. And um, I think that the catchphrase that we all should be look, taking into this year of, of 2020 is the change brings opportunity. And for us, that certainly is the way we look at it. Uh, we look forward expectantly for what has got, cla- has got planned for us at St. Stephen's under God's leadership. Uh, we thank our Heavenly Father for answering our prayers, and we trust that, parish- that Prash, Emily, Harriet, and Samson will feel the love and support of our parish family both tonight and for many years to come. my turn. I'm wearing a few hats tonight. Um, On behalf of all the people here, of all the parishioners of St Stephen's, welcome to you both. Um, We've met before, before God led us to use this. God has a funny way of working, doesn't it? Um, Probably can't say that, can I? I can say that God works in mysterious ways (laughs) and um, I went home after a particular service and said to Jill, maybe you should add him to the list. And here you are, so thank you, Lord, for going through that whole process, and thank you both. Thank you for making the journey across the bridge. Um, it's not quite as bad as the Shire, but nevertheless, <laughs> North Shore is, and Northern Sydney is different from the Inner West. Um, we lost a son and daughter-in-law and their children to the Inner West, so we know it's different. The food's different, sometimes it's better, but it's different. So thank you for coming over here. Speaking of food, um, thank you in advance, Emily, for allowing 
crash to have a night off tomorrow night to meet informally with some of the men of the church as we explore, um, as we learn how to do better as cooks. And uh, I understand that you've moved into the rectory already. Um, we did manage to get the bathroom fixed in time, didn't we? Yes, good. Uh, as well as everything else. So I hope it's a lot of people have put a lot of work in and uh, um, it'd be great for your family to grow up in. So we're looking forward to that. Um, we're going to welcome your family, having a two-year-old grandson. Um, we know that this is not a good time of night to have uh, children here, so there'll be other occasions when we can welcome them. Now it's my pleasure to call on Susie. This will last too. Well, that's the idea. <laughs> Flowers a week, maybe. So, Emily, we welcome you most warmly. And we look forward to having ministry with you, working with you and Shirley. And we do welcome Harriet and Samson. Now, I've met them already today up there. <laughs> we want to come up there. <laughs> and so, there's no chance of them falling through, but anyway, it was wonderful. <laughs> I think Samson is well named. <laughs> so these are some gifts for the children, and we really, not that I don't welcome you much, but we just look forward to working with you in the Lord's Now, they, they've been on their feet for too long. Uh, we were supposed to have chairs, but got to get that organised, so I apologise on behalf of everyone. Um, please, everyone, head over there to the Chapel Hall, um, which will warm up as you arrive. It's been kept... If it feels frigid, it's because our, kit, our fridges were not big enough to take all the sandwiches and everything else that was being prepared. So it was kept very cold with the air conditioning. You will warm it up, um, enjoy the supper, have a chance informally to meet Prash and Emily, and also to welcome all those who've come as visitors today. So everyone is very welcome. We look forward to seeing you over there. Thank you. Oh, right. Hang on. <laughs> 